I want to talk about faith again. You know, we're, we're in this little break. I finished my, the previous series I was doing, and uh, I know Christmas is coming. In December, I like to talk about Christmas and what's happening, kind of seasonal stuff. But I, I really felt like I had a few weeks, sort of a gap in there, just talking a little bit about faith. Faith is uh, a challenging thing in our lives. Anybody ever wrestle, struggle with faith a little bit? You remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about Jacob and Jacob wrestling with God and uh, said that, hey, you know what, that, that's, a, that's a good model for us. It's, it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to ask questions of God. It's even okay at times to doubt. Uh, and, and in fact, and this is my perspective, and I want to kind of continue with this thought today, that... When we do question God and when we do have doubt in our hearts, that that is not a lack of faith. It doesn't show a lack of faith. I think what it does is it produces greater faith. I really believe that faith that is untested isn't really faith at all. And that our faith is tested and, and if you will, refined and strengthened and deepened as we wrestle with God. So... Um, I want to pursue that a little bit this morning, and probably, I don't know, one or two more times or so between now and as we get a little deeper into the holiday season. Um, I was a little surprised that after last week, uh, nobody challenged me at all. Maybe you guys are just smarter than the average church. I think you are, probably. Aren't you smarter than the average church? You look like. Um, and the reason I say that, good gosh, Elliot, what did he do? Did he bend this thing on me? Or what did he do? You did something. I did not. I unplugged the sound. Um, because there are passages, there are, there are verses, and we'll look at it today in the New Testament, that would seem to contradict what I said last week, that it's okay to doubt. Let's say if you doubt, that's not good. In fact, I want to Look at one of those, and we'll read it together right now in, in the book of James, and then we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that means. This is in the first chapter of James when he says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, Lord, would you open your word to us today, and would you... Teach us to have faith in you, what it means to have faith in you, to deepen our faith and to trust you and, and really grow in you. In your name we pray. Amen. This is to me, there, there are a handful of verses um, in the New Testament primarily, some in the Old Testament, more in the New Testament, that are oftentimes misinterpreted and misunderstood, misapplied. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say, and, and with, within that, abused a little bit. And I think because of that, they can become a source of guilt and struggle for a lot of folks. I think there are those, maybe some of you, I don't know, but I certainly know that I've met people and talked to people, and I've met people, sadly, who have kind of turned away from God, turned away from the church, because they had questions, they had doubts, they had you know, struggles in their faith, they expressed those things, and they were told, oh, well, you, it's your, you have a lack of faith, you don't have faith. And so they, they felt guilty, and they felt like, well, I can't make the grade. I don't add up. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So, so they turn around, and, 
And, and I think this verse, it, when it's misapplied and it can be abused in the way that it, it's held up as a model of faith that's, that's, that equates to certainty. And by that I mean, I'm absolutely certain if I have faith and I believe this, that God's going to do it. And as, as strong as I am in my faith, if I, if I stand on my faith, then I'm, I'm okay, I'm good. But if my faith ever wavers a little bit, I may, I've been told maybe I'm, I'm not so good. And I just think that's tough to live with. Here's an example, and I'm not talking about just healing today. We prayed for healing this morning, but I want to use healing as an example because healing takes faith. We have to have faith that God will heal. I love Cindy's story today. and, And really, I felt like there was somewhat of a theme, even what Lori said, you come to give food, but you leave with a van full of blessing. Sometimes we think something's up, we're going to give, we're going to serve, we're going to do this or that, and God meets us instead. And um, we believe in healing. We believe that God can heal. We believe that if we pray for someone, if they're sick, if they're hurt, that we can pray that God can and will heal them. That's what we believe. And if someone is sick, even chronically ill, if someone's chronically ill, they have a, a disease that for whatever reason, medical science has not been able to to resolve or fix. We'll pray for that person uh, a couple times. We'll pray for him five times or ten times or 50 times or a hundred times. We'll pray for him as many times as we have opportunity and we'll keep praying and we'll keep praying with faith. But we also, in that process, recognize that The kingdom of God is a complex sort of thing, and kingdom and theology informs us that there are other things at play and that that person may not be healed. But in the midst of that, we'll continue to pray, we'll continue to believe, and we'll continue to stand by their side and love them and be with them through that no matter what, whether they're healed or not. That's the reality, and that's the biblical, that's the theological reality as well. So my point is, when someone says, it's a lack of faith, that's why you didn't get healed. Or when someone says, it's a, it's a lack of faith to even go to the doctor. If you go, if you go seek medical attention, you're showing a lack of faith. If someone says, to even, and I've seen this happen, prepare yourself to die... It's a lack of faith. Don't say goodbye. Don't take care of your affairs. Don't deal with the things you need to deal with in your life. That's a lack of faith. I want to say that that's wrong. It's sad, and it's tragic. In the early days of the vineyard, there was a pastor named Brent Rue. Brent was a very, um, just an amazing guy. He was, uh, he was Swedish, and he had this big floppy mop of like blonde hair. He was about six foot five and weighed about 120 pounds. And he just sort of was this gangly guy, and everybody loved Brent, and Brent loved everybody. And his church really grew, and he was one of those guys, kind of Southern California surfer dude. He would sit down on the stool and just talk, you know, and everybody loved Brent. And he was young. He was in his early 40s and uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And people prayed for him, and people loved Brent, Brent, and so they prayed for him a lot. He had a lot of pastors came from around the country to pray for Brent. In fact, Teams of people from vineyards in England flew to the United States to pray for Brent. I don't know how many times people prayed for Brent over the two or three year period. Hundreds, probably thousands. And he didn't get healed. 
he kept getting sick. And towards the end of his life, a prophetic person came and told him, this is not unto death, you will surely live, and gave him this prophetic word that we live. And they kind of stood on that word, and they had faith and believed, and it was not very long after that that Brent died. And at a, at a time somewhat later, his wife, who's just a lovely, lovely gal, had an opportunity to speak with that person. She said, what happened? I don't understand. And she was heartbroken and confused. And she was told it was because of a lack of faith that he didn't get healed. And, and, I, and I just, Jesus never told anybody to fake it. Jesus never told anybody to claim anything. He never told anybody to act as though they were healed or pretend they were healed when they really weren't healed because Jesus understood the nature of the kingdom of God. Jesus prayed for a blind man. You remember this? And when he prayed for him, he looked at the man and he said, can you see? And the guy said, well, I can kind of see. It's weird. I, I see men. They look like trees. What did Jesus do? Where's your faith? No, he, he prayed for him again. He prayed for him again. That's what he did. He didn't ask, where's your faith? It doesn't make sense to me to equate faith with absolute psychological certainty that something is going to happen. What if, and, and look, I, I have faith. I do. I've got a lot of faith. I'm going to pray that God will end world hunger today by 6 p.m. tonight. And I have faith that God's going to do that. I believe it. The problem is, even if I really did have faith, faith for that there are other things involved there are people involved good people and bad people there are angels and demons involved there are politicians and governments and trucking companies and farmers and there's a million things at play and even if I had faith to believe that God would do that it's probably not going to happen but that doesn't mean that I am lacking in faith. What if there's a guy, Bob, let's just say Bob, is anybody Bob here? No Bobs? Good, okay. Bob's praying that Sue will be his wife. She's so beautiful. I just, she's the perfect soulmate. I'm praying that she will marry me. Sue's praying, dear God, please keep Bob away from me. He's a creepy stalker guy. <laughs> Who's, who is what, you know, I mean, how does that work? Two people are praying that God, they're both believers and they stand in faith and they're trying to get a job and they're praying for the same job. I'll get, I want to get this job. I'm praying, God, please, please, get my friends praying. This person's praying, God, give me this job. And one gets it and the other one doesn't. Well, what is that? Does that mean that person has more faith than the other person? I don't know if it does. I think it might mean that this one's more qualified. But for whatever reason, the boss decided to pick that one, not the other one. I don't know what it means. There's a lot of things at play. But I don't think it means there's a lack of faith on behalf of one or the other. Sometimes that theology to me is a little bit like we have a faith meter. Anybody ever feel like, you know, you're, how much faith do you have? Do you have 20% or 50% or 100%? Where's your faith today? You know, I love this. We sang this morning, God is the lover of your soul. God is the lover of your soul. He's not the meter man. Okay, you ever been downtown, you're parking, and you know your meter's out, and you're running to get to the car, and you look, and the meter guy's already there. He's the meter man. 
He's going to ticket you for not being on time. God's not like that. God's not looking at your faith meter. How much, let me ask you this, how much faith does it take? Is it, is it like stock options? If I have 51%, I have a controlling interest, uh, then I get my prayer? Or can I get my prayer answered on 5% faith today? What if, what if your faith, anybody, anybody's faith ever fluctuate, go up and down? Anybody? Some of you are honest, some of you lie. Um, my faith fluctuates a little bit from time to time, like 50 times a day. It does. Good things happen. God answers prayer. I hear an expiring message on the radio, whatever. My faith soars. Then something else happens. I get stuck in traffic, and my faith goes down. I'm I'm wishy-washy that way. What if you have faith today? I've got a lot of faith today. Or let's say you had faith yesterday. Yesterday you had a lot of faith, really high and soaring. Something happened late in the day last night, whatever. You got up on the wrong side of the bed. Your faith is low today. It's very low. Low faith day. You get in a car crash and die. Well, sucks to be you. You shouldn't have died on a low faith day. You should have died on a high faith day. No, you can laugh. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It doesn't work that way. It, does, it doesn't work that way. I have friends, though, pastor friends, that really honestly kind of have that perspective. And, and, and I've noticed this about them. They're a little bit fearful. They're afraid to venture out, to, to learn, to grow, to listen to certain things, to read certain things, to even ask any questions because it might somehow challenge their faith. And there's this mindset, and I don't know if you've ever felt this or been the recipient of it or heard it, but there's this mindset, if you ask any questions at all, you must be in sin. Because the only reason anybody would ever question the Word of God is if they're in sin and they're running from God. Well, I don't know if I buy that. Quite honestly, I have a lot of questions. I have questions about the Bible sometimes. Why, why does it seem like there's conflicting things? There's, there's all sorts of things in the Bible. Why is there so much war and killing in the Old Testament? Why does it seem like Jesus says one thing one time and another thing another time? Those things, I have questions about that stuff. I don't think it means I don't believe. It just means I have questions. It means I'd like to know. It means I want to, to read. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to pursue. And I want my faith to be trialed to be tried and tested and grow. Back in the Middle Ages, they used to torture people if they didn't have faith. They would put you on the rack and stretch you. You know what that, you ever seen that thing like in, like in, what's the movie, uh, Princess Bride, didn't they do that? <laughs> you don't have faith. Uh, <laughs> why did I not think of that? Why did I not think of that? But you don't have faith, so they stretch you and you go, okay, now I do, now I do. I just don't think that works. I don't think that, something was wrong with that thing. So let's look at our verse. We got to wrap up. Oh my goodness, we really have. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. What does that mean? What does that mean? Two, Two things, and I'll try to do this quick. Biblical interpretation. I want to talk to you about biblical interpretation for a minute. First thing, and we'll go quick, is in Scripture, very often, 
uh, hyperbole is used, hyperbolic language. It was very common in Jewish culture, very common in Mediterranean culture, in the near Middle East. It was just a, it was a, a way that people spoke. We do this. How many, anybody ever told your kids, I've told you a million times? Anybody ever said that to your kids? Yeah, Pat said that to his kids. How many times did you really tell them? Seven, eight, that's not a million. No, you never told them a million. Who said that? Uh, but we exaggerate. For, but the fact is you've told them a lot of times and they didn't get it. That's what you mean. Anybody ever, when Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, anybody think he means cut your hand off? <laughs> Elliot, we'll talk later. Um, he does not mean to cut your hand off. What does Jesus mean when he says that? He means this. He means sin is really bad. It'll hurt you. Get it out of your life. Be harsh with it. Cut it off. Get it out of your life. He's exaggerating to make a point. He's emphasizing something. He wants us to know that that sin is bad. We need to remove it, get it far from us, cut it out. He doesn't mean to cut your hand off. He's exaggerating for effect. So this statement is hyperbolic. What James means here is faith. Faith is important. You need faith in your life. You really do. If you want your prayers to be answered, that's something you've got to work for. You've got, you got to have that in your life. He, he doesn't necessarily mean that this extreme. Second thing, and this is really, really important. We, we talked about context before. Context is, is very, very important. When we read a verse, we really have to pay attention to what is the chapter around the verse saying? What is the book saying? What is the author saying? What is the Bible saying? What is the reality of the culture at the time? We really, really need to look into those things and understand. To get an understanding of the verse, we need to really absorb the culture. The verse right before this verse says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What's the verse talking about? Asking for wisdom. If you have the, the passage, the, the, the greater passage, is talking about trials and temptations. If you're having trials and temptations in your life, if things aren't going well and you need help, what should you do? You should ask God for wisdom because he'll help you get through those difficult times. What, is it, what can we learn about God from this passage? He gives generously. Does God want to give you wisdom when you ask for wisdom? Yes. Does God find fault with you? The verse is about seeking God for wisdom to help you through difficult times. It's not a carte blanche, catch all, you can ask for anything and I'll do it. It doesn't mean that. James didn't intend it to mean that, and it's never meant that. Anytime anybody says that you lack faith because it means that, they're wrong. Neener, neener. I will challenge them. It's talking about seeking God for wisdom in difficult times. That's the context of the passage. And if we are lacking wisdom in our lives, if things are tough, you, you go to God, and God loves to give generously. He doesn't find fault. He's going to bless you, and he's going to help you through those difficult times. I believe that. I really do. That's what it's talking about. It's, it's not a, a catch-all. It's not saying you can just ask God anything you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want, and, and you'll be okay. F faith is... Faith is I'll close with this, a covenant concept. 
It's based on a trusting relationship between two people, not a psychological certainty, or in this case, a person and God, two, two entities. Um, when, the best example, and we've used it before, that we have is when you get married. When you get married, you say what to one another? You have vows, right? You exchange vows. In those vows, when you say, I do, you are trusting, you're believing, one, that I'm, you're, what you're saying is, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to commit to this person. I, I, I'm going to walk my life out with them. And you're trusting and believing that they also are going to do that. That's why you make the vows. Are you 100% certain that's going to work out that way? No, you can't be. You can't be. Are you somewhat certain it's going to work out that way? Well, sure. If you didn't have a, you know, if you didn't believe that, if you didn't have faith for that, if you didn't hope for that, you wouldn't be there in the first place. But you are. You make the vows because you, you, you believe that, God, that that person is going to commit to you and you're going to commit to them and you're going to walk that through. But you're not certain that that's going to happen. Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done to you. That's a life principle. That's the way it works. According to your faith, be it done to you. But I want you to understand something. That involves risk. John Wimber used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. There's risk involved. We're not 100% certain. Every time I get on an airplane to go somewhere, there's a risk involved, isn't there? A plane could crash and I could die. Anybody know what the risk is? It's about 1 in 11 million. It's about a 1 in 11 million chance that I won't make it to my destination. I'm going to take that risk. I know there's a risk. It might not happen, but I'm going to take that risk. You raise your kids. You raise your kids. You do your best to raise them in the ways of the Lord, to teach them the things of God, to help them be people that, that love and that are generous and gracious and give and are kind. And you believe that that's going to happen. You hope that's going to happen. But are you 100% certain? No, it might not happen. And when we pray for someone who's sick, we pray really believing that God's going to touch them. And we hope that he will. But we're not certain about it. And that's the way faith is. Faith, faith is not 100% psychological certainty. Faith is a covenant commitment to God. It says this, I'm going to walk my life out this way. I'm going to live my life according to your word because I believe that's the best way to live my life. And that's what faith is. It's a commitment that I make to God saying, I'm going to, I'm going to go this direction with you because I believe that that's what you've called me and told me to do. Let's stand. Do we have to set up for, okay, stand up. Hey, uh, as we break down today, we do need to set tables up for a potluck again. So if you guys would keep that in mind, don't stack the chairs. We'll just reshuffle them, and you can help me with that.